Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. The heat, the intensity, and the stakes. All on the rise down under as semifinal spots are on the line at the 2022 Australian Open. The biggest upset of the tournament headlined the overnight action in Melbourne as only eight men and eight women remain in the draws. Plus, while Madison Keys has made her mark on the court this week, she is also dedicated to making an impact off the court year-round. I wanted to do something to shine more of a light on all of the good things that happened. And our Hall of Fame analysts share their experiences of being Australian Open champions. All those stories and more over the next two hours on this Australian Open edition of Tennis Channel Live. Let's go. It is day nine of the Australian Open. Welcome to TC Live presented by Geico. Our two-hour pregame show to get you ready for all the action every day down under. We're nearly half of the women's final eight represent the stars and stripes. The quarterfinals get underway today. Madison Keys looking to extend her winning streak to a career-high 10 matches. Taking on Barbora Krejcikova. Jesse Pagula takes on the world number one for the very first time in Ash Barty. Plus a couple 35-year-olds trying to fend off the next generation. Nadal and Malfis playing Shapovalov and Berrettini. As we bring you into our studios in Santa Monica, Steve Weissman back with the fam. Hall of Famer Martina Navratilova. Hall of Famer Lindsay Davenport. No. From 60 Minutes and Sports Illustrated, the great John Wertheim. <laughs> hey, we have reached the quarterfinal stage. We're we getting have. down to the nitty-gritty now. Linz, what's on your mind? I was watching yesterday, and four women advanced into the quarterfinals, and the emotion that we saw from all of them was pretty amazing. It, it was Alize Cornet who, after 63 attempts, <laughs> finally gets to her first major quarterfinal. It meant the world to her. Sitting in her chair after, on-court interview after with Yelena Dokic, Danielle Collins, we saw the emotion throughout her match. A little bit more calm when she won. And then it was Iga Sviantek who let the tears flow with her great win, getting to a quarterfinal at the Aussie Open. Kai Kanepi played it cool. A couple points earlier, she thought she had won this breaker. She was a little more excited then, but <laughs> it was just awesome to see how much this sport and, and these results mean to the players. I had a very similar thought on Sunday. There was a sport. They held their quarterfinal round. There was heart-stopping action and drama and breathtaking finishes. And the NFL did pretty well, too. Uh, great day for tennis yesterday. We, we always talk about what's tennis going to look like after Roger and Rafa and Novak and Serena. As long as it furnishes drama like we had, five sets. You talked about the women. The men also did their part. There were players in their late 30s and in their early yeah. 20s and lefties and righties. Great day for the sport. We're going to be okay here, folks. Iga <laughs> said, uh, I cry when I win. I, I cry when I lose. You're just going to have to get used to the tears. That's what comes with it. 
for me, it's three American women again. Last year, we had Serena Williams, Jennifer Brady, and Jessica Pegula getting to the quarters for the first time. Jessica repeats, is here again. Daniel Collins has gotten to the semis here before. Now she gets to the quarters. And Madison Keys coming out of nowhere. I mean, she started the year eight, in 87, 87. yeah. 87. And here she is, and if she keeps playing like this, she'll be top 10 again if she can keep it up. But great quarters by the uh, showing by the American women. We talk about the tennis factory, the players you talk about, they don't play alike. They don't approach the game the same way. There is a lot of American women, but there's also a lot of variety, too. Yeah, it's fun to see. It's fun to see also players. We've seen Maddie, you talk about, who struggled and is now coming back. Collins, the same. Her ranking drops pretty mm-hmm. significantly. Um, we'll see. We still want, though champions yeah, and yeah. we hope that i mean this is a great yeah. number for the americans we're very happy with three out of eight let's see if we can get one into the semis one or maybe more mm-hmm. and then also into the final and maybe holding a trophy if, By the one, way, of, if one of them can get there who do you think could get there of the, this tournament Oof. well collins has the probably the friendliest draw I would say, playing Cornet. Oh, I can't give it away. We haven't done a highlight <laughs> today. I, I mean, obviously, Maddie, if she continues no. this same level, the question is, can she do it for three more matches? I agree. What they all can do, get to number one ranked American by the end of the Australian Open. Right now, Jesse Pagula in the quarterfinals, past Coco Golf, who can't get any higher than 17. So Jesse's in the pole position. But Danielle and Maddie can both pass her, John. And you're right. Uh, look at Danielle Collins' draw, which we will briefly. This thing is wide open. Um, I'm curious, how, how much do either either of you, how, how much does this matter? How much does being the top player from your country, especially if in the United States when you've got a number of other competitors, how much does that matter, do you guys think? I think it used to matter more in the old days, uh, number one in your, in your country. But that's before we have world rankings. And mm-hmm. I think now, I think the world ranking matters more. Also, I don't think they care during the year. It, it might matter at the end of the year, just like the number one ranking. Who is number one at the, during the year? No. I don't think they pay much attention to that. Yeah, the only time I cared was in Olympic year. Mm. Just to make sure that I was in the top three. It didn't necessarily have to be the top. But um, also, maybe if you've already been the highest-ranked American, maybe then you're not as worried about it happening again. I don't know. It didn't seem like a big deal when I was playing. Good point. Just funny. uh, We have this wealth in American tennis on the women's side. And of those four players, we've got three last three major winners. Serena Williams, Sloane Stephens, Kennan. They're not on this list, and they're nowhere near that level. So uh, t- top to bottom, good times for the Americans. Just come back to us in like 48 hours with this yeah, question. Exactly. We'll, uh, We're we'll, not giving... we'll, keep, we'll keep updating <laughs> we'll it. But we gave you a few more days. Now you want a few more days because they're still winning well, and they you, still have the opportunity. You, you keep putting this Right now it's Pagula. So you're going to say it's Pagula at the end. I'm saying it's Pagula right now. Well, that's what we're saying. And that's what really I thought was going to She deserved it last year. <laughs> yeah. She really right. did. And so for her to even have it for a day right now, I know it's not real, but like she deserved that, that top ranking in terms of the Americans. All right, a lot to get to here on TC Live. Day eight highlights and interviews. Speaking of Madison Keys, Kamal Murray sits down with her. Martina and Lindsay give us their favorite memories from Melbourne. But first, Keys said she wanted to see Daniel Collins and Alize Cornet play each other. Find out if Maddie got her wish. TC Live at the Australian Open is presented by GEICO. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. 
Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Martina, Lindsay, John, Steve back on TC Live presented by Geico. Taking a look at our daily schedule. We are with you every day, 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern, getting you ready for first ball on ESPN2 and ESPN+. Brett Haber, Paul Anacone have you covered the Encore presentation, 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on Tennis Channel. We talked about it a little bit in the first segment. Danielle Collins has played a dozen events in Australia. She's made the quarterfinals in more than half of them, Martina. And the American had to battle back from a set down against Elisa Mertens. Well, Danielle Collins made too many unforced serves in that first set. She was rightly upset. She was really giving it that, that set to uh, Mertens, and she took advantage. But Collins got back on top in the second. But it started imposing herself. Mostly cleaned up her game. The unforced stairs uh, went away, and uh, she really dominated, particularly on her backhand. She had 21 wears for the match and moved Elisa Mertens side to side, where she doesn't even bother running for that, as, uh, as Collins really overpowered her. And uh, in the third set, kind of same situation. Mertens was up 2-1, but, uh, but Collins just, uh, and actually got a break, but Collins breaks right back. And kept coming at her. The de- the depth of her shots was really good. Uh, wrong footing. And she's fired up. And another match that ends on a match point. And Daniel Collins will subdued on that. But uh, what's the better player overall? It was hot out there. And Collins able to battle through. Yeah, super excited. Um, you know, the last couple of years after I made semis, I, I think I lost like second round um, each year so to be back in the quarters is, means a lot um, it's taken a lot to get to the quarters some really tough battles and tough opponents so um, yeah lucky to be through said she tries to ride it out as much as possible loves watching surfing uses that as an analogy in her head she was our tennis.com player of the day what did you make of that fight and that that hustle that effort out there for collins oh you see some players in the biggest moments of matches all of a sudden get scared or take a step back and just try and make balls that is not danielle collins and just love the way she was going after her shots on the big points against mertens mertens was the one who backed up and was trying to play it safe and Collins was taking the risk and got through. But just her overall attitude, I mean, she is a fighter. She has been through an awful lot the last few years with a bunch of injuries, a couple surgeries. It's great to see her back playing. I think she's great for women's tennis. Lots of commands, lots of fists in the face. But you know what? She wants to win that match more than anything else. And everybody who's watching knows that. That's the kind of attitude she gives off, and I think it's great. But, well, I, I feel like we talk sometimes about the differential between first and second serves. Uh, did you notice that interview? She is so fired up on the court. And then the, the most, like, zen interview. I, I just think it must be really hard to prepare to play against her. I mean, you just know that when that match gets set, when it's 4 all in the third set, she, she is coming. And you can prepare for a player's slice or their serve out wide. I just don't know how. I mean, it must be very imposing to know that the player on the other side of the net is going to give you no quarter when that match toughens. Well, she comes at you emotionally with her come-ons, but the problem is not that. The problem is she hits the heck out of the ball. She pushes you back with her shots, and that's where players cannot play. It's safe. They need to stand up to her, and Mertens couldn't do it. And Collins, I love her attitude. 
gotta, gotta love it. Mm-hmm. She had to conserve some energy because she actually played doubles right. later yeah. in the day. We will have that highlight for you coming up on TC Live. Meantime, former finalist Simona Halep taking on Alize Cornet. The French woman had won three of their previous four matches, Lindsay, and you could tell this was going to be a battle. Um, tremendous battle under the hottest part of the day. And these two were leaving it all out on court. It was Alize Cornet who was able to come up with the first set. Halep really affected by the heat, much more so than I've ever seen. Always kind of bent over after a long point. Didn't look very comfortable out there. And this is right when you thought it was Cornet's match to win. She had a couple of points to get up 4-1. Halep gets out of this game, Steve, and then gets on a roll. Wins the last 16 points Mm. of the second set. Cornet totally goes away. But a 10-minute heat break in between sets really helped calm Cornet down, kind of refresh her as well. And all of a sudden, in the third set, was able to start dictating play again, moving her shots around, was trying to hang in there. But these two, it was a battle. And surprisingly, it was Cornet who was able to hang tough in the tough moments. And unlike the second, in the third, it was Halep who went away. Hmm. And you can see what it means to her. Said, I was so tired I couldn't think anymore, which was a good thing because in the end, I just had to keep playing and made my first quarterfinals. So take a look at this for Alize Cornet. 13 years ago, she was one point away from the quarterfinals in Melbourne. Lost that match. And after 63 majors, finally broke through. The previous record on the women's side was 45 majors before making a first quarterfinal. Perseverance personified. What does it mean to her? It feels amazing. And I mean, the battle that we had with Simona today with this heat and after... 30 minutes of game, we were both dying on the court and, and we kept going for two and a half hours with all our heart. And I mean, congrats to Simona because I know she struggled a lot and uh, I admire this player so much. She's such a fighter and she's an example for me. And to beat her today, to go to my first quarterfinal is just a dream come true. So I don't know what to say. It's just magic. So think, Martina, she talked about retirement, may still retire at the end of this year. 63 majors. She hasn't missed a major since the 2006 U.S. Open, and now finally breaks through. Talk about persistence. I think that should, her picture should be next to it on the dictionary. But the heat, I think, actually ended up helping her in the long run because, as she said, she was too tired to think. And when it's that hot, all you can think about is staying cool. So any strategy goes away, and I think you kind of go back to what's safe for you. And, and, and Cornet generally is more aggressive in her play than Halep, and Halep was too tired to keep with that aggression that she showed in the second set and the heat really wore her down but Cornet, I mean, hats off. She was too too tired to think but I would encourage people to go go find the rest of that interview with Yelena Dokic uh, at the very end and she had some very nice words to say for the, the interviewer which I thought showed some real presence. Also, we're talking about big picture with her but also this tournament, I mean, a week ago we sat here and we said, boy, she, she plays Muguruza who's playing great. That's going to be a tough match for Cornet. Her next match she was down a set and a break. So this... This kind of came out of nowhere. And, uh, you know, a week ago we didn't think she'd win her second-round match, and now here she is uh, with her best slam showing ever. It's really a a nice story, very sudden. Oh, you talk about players, and do they remember certain things? Do they not? Well, you referenced that interview. In that interview with Yelena Dockett, she said, well, I 
almost played you here in 2009. I had a couple of match points in the round of 16 against Safina. I didn't win them. I would have played you. I always wanted to play you. I mean, she knew exactly <laughs> what had happened in 2009. So you know that was going through her head during the match as she's trying to close it out. So a lot of props to her. Clearly, this has been a huge goal of hers, whether she has audibilized it or not. So right. always like to tip my cap to players who really achieve their goal. And you could see what it meant to her yesterday. It means a lot on a tennis court, but it's just pure inspiration in life to just keep yeah. going. You can accomplish something after a really long time. Props to Alize Cornet. Uh, some guys looking to make their first quarterfinals in Australia as well. Yannick Sinner taking on the last hope to end Australia's drought on the men's side. Alex Dimonor, Martina. Alex Dimonor had four break points in the first set. There were no breaks of serve, and that was his chance. He needed to win that first set after Sinner gets this set under his belt, winning the tie break. Uh, he settled down, started playing a little bit more aggressively. And uh, at the end, ended up with 35 winners, 30 on fours. Just moved Diminar around the court pretty well. And here, you see that outside foot going on Djokovic on that pass. And uh, he's, got a, he's got, just got a really solid game. Nice touch for a big guy. Moves really well. Sir was quicking in nicely. And Diminar just uh, couldn't find any openings against uh, against Sinner, who has played better and better with each match. Kind of sneaking under the radar into the quarters. And he's fresh. He's playing well. And he must have his confidence up at this point as well. He's Be beaten Diminar in Australia, which is never easy to play. Undefeated in the new year as well. Hasn't lost a match this entire year. And how about this? Just two Italians in the quarterfinals of the slam for the second time in the open era. So Berrettini and Sinner are in there, and Yannick Sinner, 11 seed under the radar. Watch out for him. Playing the winner of this match, American Taylor Fritz in the round of 16 at a major for the very first time, taking on the two-time Aussie semifinalist, Stefano Tsitsipas. They split the first two sets, John. Yeah, I think a lot of us thought Fritz had a real chance to win this, and we, we weren't wrong. I mean, this, this was really high-level back and forth tennis you look at the the score line here this is fritz who's going to take a two sets to one lead remember last year fritz goes to a fifth set with novak djokovic in the third round a big chance of an upset opportunity slipped away but i think he could take take a moral victory out of that here he comes with another match against a high seed this one would go five sets it really just a couple of points here and there is such a tennis cliche but that's essentially what it was Tsitsipas had five break points in this match he converted three of them and uh that was that was a large part of this curious here showing off some network watch the shot here and Fritz right into this match Tsitsipas served well 19 aces closing it off here That's a match point. Now Stefano Sitsipas said, I'm overwhelmed. The stadium was on fire. It is too good to be true. Comes back from down two sets to one. How did he pull through? It was a great comeback. It was a match with a lot of emotion. And I was able to sustain that emotion. And I was able to deal with it in the best way. I think the crowd was very important today encouraging me and giving me their energy from start to finish.
sunny as well. I mean, you can see that, <laughs> the, the, the headband tan yeah. there for, for Stefano Sitsipas. What was the difference in this five-set match to you? Well, it's remarkable. We, none of us really knew what to expect from Sitsipas with the elbow, and we really thought Fritz, with his powerful shots on this quick court, was going to be too much for Sitsipas. I'm amazed he was able to get better in the fourth and fifth sets. The big points, it was Sitsipas who was able to step up and really raise the level of his game. But when you're coming off a surgery, any type of procedure, especially on your arm, you're always a little bit tentative. I was amazed that Sitsipas was able to hit harder as this match went on and not get fatigued. Great adjustment from Sitsipas. Again, using the, 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 the only half, the gut half nylon to protect the elbow. And, and the fact that he came back from two sets to one, he actually said the crowd helped him out. But I have to give kudos to, to Taylor. Mm -hmm. he's, he's gotten to another level here, I, yeah. I feel, yeah. with this game and with the results. So I think he should really had, hold his head high. Finally got into that second week, but I expect he will do better yet because he's got big weapons and he now knows that he belongs on that court with the, with the big guys. So came up short, but stepped forward. He, he looked absolutely demoralized leaving the court. Un understandable, this was a winnable match, a couple of points here and there. But I think when he goes big picture on this swing to Australia, he got to this level of a tournament for the first time. He won a match against a you know, veteran against RBA. He played well when he had to. And I also feel like he's really created some separation between the other Americans. Disappointing loss yesterday, but I, I think this was a good trip down for him. He'll be in the top 20 for the first time in his life, so that's a big thing for Taylor Fritz. So we've got Yannick Sinner, Stefano Tsitsipas, 2-1 head-to-head for Stefanos, but all three on clay. How do you see this playing out on a hard court? Oh, that's a tough one. At first, you've got to see how Tsitsipas recovers. Let's just say he's fine. Tsitsipas's game, he, he's got more variety, mm -hmm. right? He is one of these few of that next generation that can actually come to net with some ease comfortable coming to net, moving forward and ending points that way. Sinner not so comfortable in that area. I, I give the edge to, to Sitsipas there, but uh, Sinner, he's coming also. Uh, might not be this year. I mean, he's going to get into the top 10 and stay there. Winning a major, I think physically he might just need a little bit more time. Mm. You think Ooh. he needs to bulk up a little bit? He's too, saw those too skinny. Arms, yeah. I don't know. I um, don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, maybe he can last four, seven matches, yeah. three out of five sets. He just doesn't look maybe as strong as some of the others. He's had an easier way to get here, so it'll be. I think it's more on Sitsipas how he feels physically because he's had a couple of tough matches now. But uh, yeah, I agree with you. You have to. I mean, Sitsipas is a more complete player to this point, but Sinner's improving yeah. all the time. Like it's sort of in before our eyes, but we're not really looking with Sinner. I mean, you think think about the age on this kid, and he yeah. just keeps he gets better and better. There is no drama to his matches. He doesn't emote much. There is not controversy. He's had a pretty nice draw, in fairness, but he's looked terrific and just so crisp. I mean, there's there's just there's no blips. There's no chaos. There's no staring at the box. It's just all business, and uh, I think he's got a real shot. He's only lost one set the entire tournament. He hasn't lost a match all year. I don't know. My gut's telling me okay. Sinner wins this one at the Australian. I, I see Sinner okay. in, in the semifinals. We'll see what happens. Uh, meantime, we've got one American out. One more American trying to get into the quarterfinals. Maxime Cressy had Daniil Medvedev talking to himself in frustration. Could he serve and volley his way to an upset? Find out next. Back on TC Live, more fourth round action. Felix Jose Aliasim looking to make his third straight major quarterfinal would have to come back against a resurgent Marin Cilic, John. 
Yeah, he was 0-3 against Chilich, and it looked like that was continuing after the first set. 6-2, barely half an hour, and then Felix woke up and was terrific for the next three sets, dictating play. He was the fresher athlete. That's what happened when you're a decade younger than your opponent on a hot day sometimes. Credit Chilich, but this was a very critical time in the match. This was a set point Chilich had in the second set, and Felix held it off, won the set, and then it was all... Felix from that point on an early break in the third. He served well. He had 24 aces, 61 winners, and sort of bullied Chilich around the court. And, you know, Felix is one of these guys where he's lost a set this year, six love. He's also beaten Zverev. He's had some really rough patches here at this tournament. He's also looked terrific. And yesterday, after a 6-2 first set, he looked really strong for the next three and gets to the quarters. The youngest player to get three major quarterfinals since Juan Martin Del Potro. Canada with two guys in the same tournament in the quarterfinals for the first time. Uh, then we had the ultimate tennis experiment, Lindsay. Ultra deep returner, Daniil Medvedev, against serving volleyer Maxime Cressy. Fascinating. Yeah, and on a quick court, Cressy held his own. Actually had a set point in that second set. Wasn't able to get it, but Steve, he rebounded beautifully in the third set, pushing this match to four, four sets. This is right when Medvedev really started to lose his cool. Had so many break opportunities, and Cressy just held strong. Had Medvedev shouting at Cressy, shouting at the umpires, telling everyone it's so boring. But credit Cressy, who got broken in the seventh game of the first set, and then not again until the 11th game of the fourth set. And that's right when Medvedev able to take control. Medvedev cruised through his service games, only faced one break point, wasn't broken, but still Cressy, fantastic effort. Yeah, good stuff for Maxime Cressy, but it is the two seed advancing. Well, it was a difficult match. Like, to get too used to his style, I mean, I knew that he's going to serve in Morley, so... Um, it's not really, and I feel like I didn't really get used to it because first set was better than the, the other three. But uh, yeah, he definitely played a good match and could go either way. Uh, I mean, two tie breaks, last set, uh, yeah, was really close and tough match. Well, let's take a look at the draw. You see the matches today, and then we got Sinner, Sitsipas, Oje, Aliasi, Medvedev there at the bottom. Uh, we got to get a, a thought on Cressy from, from the servant volleyer, Martina. Came to net 135 times. Only? W won more than 65% of those points. I mean, he played really, really well, and Medvedev was just too good. It's funny when Medvedev said, this is boring. This is what we want is a contrast. <laughs> exactly. What's boring is everybody doing the same thing. Yes. So I think the crowd enjoyed it, and, and he showed that it can be done. We don't have enough fast surfaces uh, to really for this to, to, to be successful, but you have to do it that much better because the ground strokes. But Medvedev handled it. So uh, it was it was fun to watch. Medvedev could have won it a little bit easier the last two sets. They had a lot of break points, but uh, Cressy made it fun. I, I love watching him. Played four matches, 434 net approaches. Probably more than the whole that field together. Exactly. <laughs> put, put that into our veins. We love that. Um, I, th I mean, we, we talked about his self-belief two days ago. I don't know. Can, can you be a number one player in the world serving volleying? Perhaps not. But I think there's some real game here. I'm also impressed with his stamina. I mean, he, he played eight matches the first two weeks of the year. And then plays on a hot day, yep. four-setter against Medvedev. He didn't look necessarily winded. I think there's a lot of reason for optimism here. Yeah, he got broken twice in the first set, not again until the fourth set, against one of the best returners. And 
Chris, he had 18 double faults. That's yeah. a lot. I mean, he was going for a lot on his second serve, and he was still hanging toe-to-toe with the favorite to win the tournament. If, as Martina said, there's not a lot of tournaments with quick surfaces like Australia, but if he finds those, wherever those pockets are, and he's able to play that way a lot, and we saw him even in Indian Wells, one of the slowest hardcourts, still play well out there, he's going to be dangerous for all these guys to have to he's, face. He's got game. He can yeah. take the ball early, and he's, he's got good ground strokes. He's, he's more than a certain volleyer. This is a story I'm excited to watch exactly. for the rest of the season. Yeah. The rise of Maxime Cressy. Let's go back to the women. Iga Sviantek hadn't dropped a set all tournament. Serana Kirstea hadn't made a major quarterfinal in 13 years. Only one of those two things would change, Martina. <laughs> well, Serana Kirstea came out firing on all cylinders. She's a fighter. She knows how to play. She defends really well, but she also attacks. And, uh, and Sviantek just made oh, too many unforced errors. Where her weakness was really on the second serve point percentage, 9 of 38. She needs to improve that, but she started moving the ball around the, the court a little bit better, uh, defended better, and got some freebies as well. Uh, at the end, she needs to clean up her game a little bit. Again, too many unforced errors, but played the big points well when she had to, moving Kirster around the court, wrong footing her there, now going down the line with the back end. And uh, this meant a lot to her. She was fired up after this, uh, as Lindsay was talking about her emotions. Nice way to win it. Never been here before in the quarters of the Australian Open. And uh, she was She wrote on the camera after, that was stressful. Into the quarterfinals. Uh, speaking of stressful. Mm. The Arena Sabalenka <laughs> serve. <laughs> playing the always dangerous Kaya Kanepi, Lins. Uh, Sabalenka did a great job in that first set. It was, Steve, about the tennis. Kanepi had a break point, and that was it. Sabalenka able to get that first set under her belt. In the second set, though, Kanepi got off to a great start. Got off to a four-love lead. Started feeling more comfortable on this stage. The ground strokes. This story was about huge ground strokes from both of these two women. And Kanepi sends this to a third. And what a battle this was in the third. Yet Kanepi able to get out to an early lead. She was up 4-2 in this third set. And these girls absolutely crushing the ground strokes. It's fun to watch from these two. And Steve, the serve was only an issue in one game in this whole match. One of the games, Sabalenka had three double faults, goes to a third set breaker. Kanepi served for this match at 5-4, 40 love, had four match points. We go to the tie break. Sabalenka fights back from 5-2 down, if you can believe it. Almost hits Kanepi here. And then Kanepi thought she won the tie break at one point. Ends up getting it done in the end, though. Dramatic scenes out in this match. Thought at 9-7 she had won, and it was a normal seven-point tiebreak. It's a ten-point tiebreak in the deciding set at the Australian Open. That's why you see a little bit of a subdued reaction, because the big one yeah. came at 9-7 for Kaya Kanepi. So this is her seventh Grand Slam quarterfinal, but first in Australia. What does that mean? At 36 years old, she's reached the final eight at all the majors. And by far the biggest payday of her career. And, you know, done it when we, we thought she probably retired because she hadn't played that well the last couple of years. 36 years old, and here she is in her quarterfinal, and she's got a chance to go further. Great, great. I tell you, it's bad enough. It's really bad when you won the match, but you don't know it. You're still, like, ready to, you know, play the next point. It's much worse when you pretend... You think you won it when you celebrate, and you didn't, but she handled it well. That, that does go to your point. We'll concede. Uh, that goes to your point about ending these matches in a, in a uniform way because exactly. she thought it was a conventional tiebreak. Hey, I won by two, 9-7, ball game. Oh, I got to go back and 
credit her for uh, for closing out that match. Credit to, I mean, let, we can talk plenty about Kanepi. It's, it's a, really a, a fun story and these uh, this differential between her major results and her run-of-the-mill results. But Sabalenka, to go through that publicly mm-hmm. and to deal with this, we'll have to see what she does now between now and her next tournament to, to clean this up and get rid of these yips. But to play that out and to still lose 7-6 in the third mm-hmm. at this stage in the tournament, I think, says a lot about her ability to uh, to reset. Yeah, she did a phenomenal job fighting through. You know, when you get to a major, you just want to focus on yourself and the tennis and try and block out all the other distractions. That was impossible for Sabalenka with how she was serving and all the double faults. The good news from her didn't really cost her the match against Kanepi. She was down 4-2 in the third, got back to 4-all. That was the game she had three double faults. Kanepi then served for the match, but Sabalenka got it back to five all. So I, I don't think she'll leave this Australian Open saying, my serve lost me the match. But if she's going to get a Grand Slam title, she's got to get it better. 56 double faults in four matches in Australia. That's 14 a match. Yeah. You're not going to win a major with 14 no. double faults a match. That said, we get Kaya Kanepi, the oldest remaining player in the women's draw, against Iga Sviantek, the youngest remaining player in the women's draw. They have never met before. More TC Live coming at you in a moment. TC Live at the Australian Open is brought to you in part by DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and new customers can bet $1 and win $100 if any point is won. Plus, all customers can play for thousands every day in DraftKings free-to-play pools. Use code ACE and buy Tennis Express. We deliver tennis right to your front door. Order today, ships today. And welcome back to TC Live. I'm Steve Weisman with one of our big stories. You can call it a coronation, the quarterfinal coronation of Alize Cornet. After a record 63 majors, the Frenchwoman earns a place in the final eight club for the very first time. You can find stories like that on tennis.com. Your source for everything to follow our sport. Right now, Steve Tigner writes how Denis Shapovalov is knocking on the door again, and John Burcock has the quote of the day. For today's forecast, here's Fox Weather. Hey everybody, I'm meteorologist Nick Coaster, and here's your Australian Open weather forecast. Another warm day in Melbourne, a high of 95 degrees, but there is the threat of some afternoon thunderstorms. Precise, personal, powerful. Go to foxweather.com to download the app and watch now. Thanks, Nick. Coming up, Madison Keys is one win from the Final Four, but she tells Kamal Murray what it's like to finish in fourth place in the Olympics. Back on TC Live, presented by Geico. After a total of 11 wins all of last year, Madison Keys is one victory away from matching that number in the first month of the season. She's into her first quarterfinal in three years with a fresh perspective on the game. Keys recently joined Kamal Murray on the Tennis.com podcast. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. We are here with one of the best American players, one of the most popular American players, uh, the kindest American, <laughs> <laughs> American player, Madison Keys. Maddie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Humility is like a gift of yours. You've got the whole kindness wins uh, initiative, and I think it's like so relevant now with all the 
uh, mental health issues and you know people being able to get at players. So tell me about the Kindness Wins initiative. Well, it um, it was just really important to me because I felt like we we're kind of getting bombarded by a ton of negative news just all of the time. And I just really felt like I wanted to do something to kind of just shine more of a light on all of the good things that happen just daily, even if they're small and you don't really think much of them because I can't tell you how many people told me just the smallest little thing or seeing something that, you know, we were highlighting just made their day or it inspired them to go out of their way and do something kind for someone else. And I think it just, when you shine a light on it and you highlight it, it inspires people to be kinder to other people, kinder to themselves, and it just kind of helps just make everything a little bit better. You've been, you know, all to the deep in all the slams and been an Olympian. Tell me about the difference. You know, we always talk about, I always ask players, would you take a grand slam or would you take a gold medal? I know your answer, you don't have to say it. So tell me about the Olympic experience though, representing your country. The, my Olympic experience was one of the best slash heartbreaking <laughs> experiences <laughs> of my life. Um, I got fourth place at the Olympics. Not bad. Which is great. But if you didn't know, after um, a bronze medal, you get a certificate. <laughs> Back to the girls' 12s. <laughs> and that was brutal, being with um, teammates who were like, oh, here's your gold medal, here's your silver medal, here's your bronze medal. Madison, here's your piece of paper <laughs> that says good try. <laughs> um, it was, I mean, it was truly amazing. And it was, I mean, walking out, during opening ceremonies was one of the highlights of my entire life. I mean, it was truly nothing has ever felt like that, but also getting fourth place was just absolutely gut-wrenching. Now I'll take a look at the keys to victory. First major quarterfinal since Roland Garros 2019. Ten wins this year and her fourth top ten win at a major, taking out Paula Bedosa in the last round. Pretty good stuff. 10 and 1 this year has won nine straight matches. Lindsay just texted her, so we're going to get the answer of whether it's a I'm, Grand Slam. I'm curious. Yeah. Or, or, or the gold medal. Like, how does we don't know. know. I don't know. We don't know. We want to know. Is she right? No, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> but we'll let you know <laughs> when Maddie wakes up and texts her back. Uh, what's been the difference this year for her? You know, it, it's it's somewhere along in the offseason, it, it, something clicked for Maddie where it was like, Okay, I got to take responsibility for this. Um, how do I start to believe in myself again? How do I start to believe in my game? And, you know, the message is getting relayed to her. You know, the only people you need to worry about the opinions are those people that you love and trust and that will give it to you straight. But also, you, you know, it's very hard when the media is writing in and you're seeing it on social media. I, I really think she actually started to believe some of that mm -hmm. stuff. Um, it was a really rough last two years for her. Another um, player that has spoken... The pandemic has been really tough on her and living in bubbles and traveling and not and testing and not being able to be social. She's such a, a outgoing young lady. So it, it's something clicked where she was like, OK, I'm going to be kind to myself to simplify it. It's obviously more complicated. Kind to myself. I'm just going to try as hard as I can out there. It's hard when you're being told from a very young age, 12, 13, 14, you're going to be one in the world. You're going to be great. You're going to be this. She's always felt like she has not lived up to her expectations 
those that others have put on her. She's kind of just embraced, I'm going to put my own on myself, and, and this is how the rest of my career is going to be. Yeah, I think she kind of was not playing that well in pandemic, didn't help. And maybe this is just a hard reset, just realizing, yes, that having a talent, blessing, and a, and a curse, right? So even if you win, it's like, oh, she should have won already. But I think it has been a reset in that she realized, okay, my time is running out. It's not infinite. I can't play 20 years, maybe 10, maybe 5, and just really say, okay, I better give it everything I have so I have no regrets. Maybe it was that simple. We hear about her anti-bullying. And you hear even the way she, she talks about social media, yeah. about accentuating positives. This is an absolutely lovely sentiment that sounds wonderful for the real world. It doesn't always sound like that's consistent with necessarily being this fighting, feisty athlete. Yeah. Um, she's proving that uh, it maybe isn't inconsistent. But I think that there's a le- even we heard in her press this year when she talked about all of the pressure on her. I mean, L- Lindsay, you know her better than we. It's your corner. But it, it strikes me that She's really figuring out a way to deal with some of her sensibilities and sensitivities also. Yeah, I, I remember actually vividly. It was uh, Indian Wells of 2015. Australia, she made the great run to the semi. She lost a really close match early on to Yelena Yankovic. And I remember that was the first time she was crying, and, and I didn't know if it was about the match, and she shows me her phone. And you see what these people write mm-hmm. into these players. And we're not even talking about the tennis. People are talking about whatever, how she appears and, and all this stuff. And, you know, you're also looking at a teenager. Mm. You know, it's easy for me to say as an old woman, like, don't read that. Who cares? But in this generation, you know, it's a big part of it. It's impossible. And she learned at 18, 19 years old and slowly, but I I can't go down that rabbit hole. Mm. Um, But it was eye-opening for me seeing actually how horrible people can be on on some of these platforms. Um, And for her to turn it around to make it a positive thing has been remarkable. She's only 26 years old. She's been a pro for nearly half of her life, which is... Incredible. Looking to make her first semifinal at a major since the U.S. Open in 2018. Actually made her first career major semifinal at the Australian Open. That was in 2015. Madison Keys behind the scenes. Still waiting for you to text Lindsay back. Uh, TC Live still to come. We've got our DraftKings parlay. We're getting warm and fuzzy with Yannick Sinner. And, of course, the memories. We relive the glory of days past with Martina Navratilova and Lindsay Davenport. Don't go anywhere. And welcome back on day nine of the Australian Open. A lot of big time matches as players look to make the semifinals. A couple of Americans, Madison Keys, looking to extend her career-high win streak, taking on Barbora Krejcikova. Jesse Pagula, can she pull off the upset against top-ranked Ash Barty? And then got a couple of veterans, the 35-year-olds, Rafa Nadal and Gael Monfils, taking on Denis Shapovalov and Matteo Berrettini as we welcome you back. Onto our couch, and uh, this is the segment that Lindsay has been asking for oh the entire <laughs> tournament. She was like, every day asking the dog. producer, "Can I talk about when I won the oh Australian gosh, Open?" People are going to believe you. Do not say that. We've got a couple Hall of Famers with us, right, John? And they're both Australian Open champions. Right. So let, we'll start with Martina. Save, save Can you we for, just start and end save with you Martina? For Martina, 12 Australian Open titles, three in singles, eight in doubles, one in mixed. <laughs> Give us your, your your best memory. Which one stands out the most? Oh, 
Well, I guess winning it the first time, uh, I beat Chris in 81. That's when I started training really hard and working with Renee Richards, who became a coach. And, uh, and I, I was up 5-1 in the third against Chris on grass. You think match is over, right? No, Chris comes back, it gets to 5-all, and then I won 7-5. But those courts, the grass courts, were much higher bounds. Mansfield under won there a couple of times. So baseliners could actually do okay, mm. well, obviously. Chris did more than okay. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, yeah, it was special because I hadn't, I hadn't won for a while, and, and that was my third major, I guess, and I was uh, 26 years old, so I was a bit of a late bloomer. Anyway. Martina won 120 matches at Wimbledon, 89 at the U.S. Open, 46 in Melbourne. You know why? It wasn't because she wasn't good on this surface. <laughs> it was because this wasn't an event that was prioritized. Right. I really feel for you in this regard because I feel like the, the goalposts have changed a bit when we talk about history. I, I suspect if you knew how much weight was packed <laughs> into majors, uh, you I would have done a whole bunch <laughs> of things differently. Let's put it that way, and that would be definitely be one of them. I mean, Chris ever didn't play the French Open three years because we played World Team Tennis. Nobody even, most people don't even know what World Team Tennis is. So, uh, yeah, it was a different, uh, different era, different uh, measuring stick, and different things were important to us. And Australian Open and French Open were definitely not it. What was the first year you went down under to play? Oh, 74. I went, I played over Christmas. Uh, that's when the Czech Federation sent me down and I was, they said, you can keep the prize money. It's a one-way ticket. I had to make enough to go to play the Virginia Slim Store the following January. And I lost to Yvonne Gulagong in the finals and I won $6,000. Oh Aussie. Wow. <laughs> but I got enough for the ticket and, yeah. and came to the States. And then we played the Virginia Slim Store, to your point. Uh, that, that tournament was $50,000 tournament, $10,000 to the winner. So Chris got more or the same as Yvonne for winning the wow. Australian Open hmm. in one week. Wow. Hmm. The tour was bigger than, than yeah. those two tournaments. And then, of course, eight doubles titles, seven of those with Pam Shriver. Uh, an incredible run there. Lindsay, 2000, your title there. Mm. And you ended uh, Martina Hingis's three-year run as the champion in Australia. Didn't drop a set that entire Fortnight. What stands out to you? What do you remember from that? Well, I, this final almost got away from me. I was up a set and 5-1, I think, and it got back to 5-all. Mm. And um, I remember thinking, this will go down. <laughs> of course, you didn't win this. Ended up regrouping for the last two games. Um, but this was the most fun and least stressed I was at a slam. I, I was playing well, worked my way into the tournament, um, but... Uh, I just remember not being as nervous in Australia as some of the others. I don't know if it was the time change or the media, but it was a lot more enjoyable uh, down okay. under than playing at the U.S. Open for me. Look at that reaction. I've seen you emote more when you get Wordle. Uh, <laughs> joking. That, that was, can I embarrass you? That, that was the first Australian Open um, I covered. I remember two things. But one is that she'll be too modest. She was so good. Mm -hmm. And the depth on your shots, on this surface especially, it really was one of those tournaments where after a few rounds you think you know who's going to win, and you did. I also remember uh, or in the tournament your coach departing in the middle oh of one of your God. matches. Yeah, when he used to do that. You remember that? <laughs> yeah. What happened? Well, you know, sometimes, Martina, I wasn't always positive. Uh -huh. And if I got really negative, and I think it was the second round, if, I'm, if I remember right. Um, and I was, I think it was five all in the first, and he just got up and left. And then, yeah, yeah. I don't think I was acting well. I, I won in straights, and then I remember afterwards doing media and finding him, and he's like, we've got two choices here. He's like, I'm not going to come again. We're going to go out to the practice court, and we're going to work this out. And, and I managed to kind of work it out, start to get positive, start to believe a little bit more. But, you know, my attitude held me back a lot, just my lack of belief in a lot of times. And so just trying to 
not show that, which a lot of the players these days don't, which <laughs> maybe I would have been forced to be more positive. So the coach walking out on you actually helped you win the tournament. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I saw, remember Medvedev's coach did that? And, yes. you know, yeah, yeah, right, sometimes right. you need that. I mean, people make a big deal of it now, but it's sometimes if, you know, sometimes the players need a wake-up call. Yeah. She was really good, and there were a lot of players that stuck around to cheer for her. We'll, we'll oh, embarrass you her. That? And she uh, <laughs> and she took a boat ride down the river. Yeah. I still remember that as uh, holding the trophy. Yeah, well done. Thank you. What, what do you think has changed the most from from then to now? Um, for, on tour with the tournament. Um, well, gosh, they've done a phenomenal job of, I feel like, making it a bigger event every year. I mean, when I played, everybody knew it was a, a major, um, but it seems to be on equal footing now with the other three. Um, Tennis Australia has done a wonderful job with the facilities and making bigger show courts around the grounds. Um, and I think just growing the event in general. Well, this is when the slogan, you've come a long way, baby, would come in very handy. I remember the, when we played at Kuyong, the locker room was for the top players. It was like under the stadium. You had to, like, duck to get to your bag. It was so small. It was... Tiny, yeah, maybe, I don't know, 200 square feet. It was ridiculous. Uh, and and to, to see what it is now, and like you said, on equal footing with the other majors, I think the players now, they maybe they would prefer one over the other, but they really don't care as long as they get a major. Yeah. And which one is first, maybe that, that's one, that one is the sweetest. But um, uh, the growth has been phenomenal. Equal prize money now, yeah. too. Yeah. Mm. Yep. There was times when it yeah. wasn't. Yeah. John, I feel like we should have this segment every no show. Right? One what segment a day. We'll get back to Northwestern. Wind them up. <laughs> <laughs> We've got our legends with it. It's fantastic. Uh, congratulations to you both. It's, it's an honor and a privilege to be sharing this couch with the both of you. Much more straight ahead. We've got our double segment. Martina, nine of those. So <laughs> have her, we'll have her lead the way. <laughs> Davenport, Navratilova, Wertheim, Weissman, back on TC Live, presented by GEICO. They have limited crowd capacity on the main courts, 50% because of the pandemic, but the fans who are on site still making themselves heard. And if you've seen any of Nick Kyrgios' matches on John Kane Arena, it is definitely more than 50% packed. The tournament has been described as a turning point for folks in Melbourne. And uh, apparently giants have taken to the site. So so have we reached, John, the, the happy slam mentality again? There's your turning point right there. You see the pivot on skates? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I think there are a lot of nice storylines. I mean, if, if Ash Barty becomes the first Australian in almost half a century to win this, or if Rafa Nadal becomes the all-time. I mean, I, I think we still have some chapters to play out, but uh, there does seem to be a nice vibe. At the same time, I think one thing we've learned during the pandemic is fans matter. And you can tell on TV, you can certainly tell in person, the difference between full capacity and half capacity, was, even when Nick plays. Uh, no, I was going to say, I, I just think that there, there's still a hangover. I mean, what happened the week before the Australian Open is still mm. just mm. jarring to the number one player, one of the greatest of all time. I'm not sure that's going to get it out of my taste anytime soon. Um, obviously, the tennis starts to take precedent. We've got a lot still to play for. History could be made on the men's side, the women's side, as you mentioned, with Ash Barty. But still, there, there's just a, still like a, a little sour taste in my mouth, everything going on there. Ask me a question. I don't know what to say. <laughs> well, I, you know, what's I, the vibe you feel right now? I, well, I think we've gotten away from the Novak fiasco, and uh, I hope he that sorts itself out. But in any case, tennis has taken over. And I think a lot of opportunities for so many. I mean, most likely we'll have a 
player that's never won it. Unless Nadal wins, nobody else mm -hmm. has won it, right? And on the women's side, it's kind of the same situation. It's kind of wide open for on both the women's side and the men's side. And it has been the case for the women a lot this yeah. last 10 years. Not so much with the men. Now it's on both both ends. And I think, uh, you know, that's what brings us back to, to any sport. Not knowing who's going to win. That's why we watch. And when we watch, by the way, it doesn't look like 50% capacity. It yeah, looks well, more than that. I guarantee you at the doubles, Kyrgios, Kakanakis yeah. today, it'll be 100%. Yeah. 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 Right. So they're not going every other row when yeah. those guys are right. playing. I think they're allowing only 50% people in, but then they can congregate on a particular court. Yeah. And so it's still kind of the same end result. So I don't know what, what, the, what the logic is for that. So like, like the beginning of the tournament, the rules are just variable. That, mm. that no. <laughs> theme of the Australian Open this year. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the doubles, uh, we've got folks that have won it before. Well 2020 doubles champs, Rajiv Ram. Joe Salisbury looking to win their second straight major. On the other side, John, you, you had Dane Sweeney, uh, the most famous mullet in Melbourne. You're saying uh, <laughs> business on the front court, party in the back court. Um, and now it switches. But, uh, yeah, that's that's a good look. Credit Dane Sweeney. That's our, uh, our Aussie wild card. But don't forget, Bob and Salisbury, the much more conservatively uh, quaffed, are the U.S. Open champions. They won this event two years ago. This is a really top-shelf team. Uh, one thing, Sue, we were talking about this. It's, it's funny sometimes to look at the match stats from doubles. I mean, it's not totally accurate. It's a combo, but 21 winners, three unforced errors. You, you want clean tennis? You want points from one at the net? Check out doubles. And uh, we do admire the hairstyle. As someone from Indiana, Raji Brown would call that Kentucky mud flaps on the other side of the net. Uh, but these guys advance. This is a team that could win. That's a great look. Dane Sweeney. He wins. I mean, every time he steps on a court. That's... That's legendary status. Uh, look at the draw in the quarterfinals. They get Bolelli Fonini, former champions, next. Good to see Fabio Fonini down there. And then uh, Lindsay mentioned it. Kyrgios Kokonakis. What do we think? They could Can go they win? All could? The way. What do you think? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Why not? I mean, it's possible. I mean, uh, yeah, Bram Salisbury, they had a stellar year last year, and they are the favorites. But Bolelli Fonini, they won a major as well before. Uh, wide open, uh, but curious Kokinakis, I mean, they're going to bring the fans in and we yeah. hope they keep winning. It's such a different, you know, Purcell won this two years, you know, Purcell has been uh, a champion, uh, we, we talked about Rob Salisbury, you know, Fanini has won majors of, the top is all about that first line, yeah. and that will be a great storyline as, uh, talk about there, yeah, we'll talk, talk about it more tomorrow when I actually play, but uh, it's two, two very different halves of the draw. That's where the party's at. Uh, Daniel Collins completing the double-double. We saw winning singles, now taking the doubles court with Desiree Kravchek, who won three mixed titles last year. But they've got a tall task. They, they got the number one seeds on the other side. Barbora Krejcikova, who's still in singles as well, and Katerina Siniakova. Yeah, really the most solid team in women's tennis on the doubles court. They've played together through the juniors. They won junior slams. They now win majors together on the pro level. These two work together as a team. And so often in this era where everyone's switching partners, switching coaches, switching everything, these two are a constant. Great support to each other and also complement each other's game so well. And Krejcikova, no surprise. Hello, still alive in both. That could be the first to pull off the double-double since Serena Williams did it in... 2010 getting singles and doubles that duo the checks they made the quarterfinals in 2019 semifinals 2020 finals last year so the top seeds looking to get that one step closer storm sanders caroline dolahide up next
Martina, uh, who do you like in this draw? You got Enes Shebahara there, former UCLA Bruin at the bottom. Yeah, I think you you have to go with the with the guys that have played the most together, which is Ayama Shebahara on the bottom and Krejcikova Sinyakova. They're looking really good. Sinyakova is such a clutch doubles player. She can play fabulous at the net. She at the French Open in the finals, she was the best player by far, and uh, she she carries that team. And Krejcikova, steady Eddie. Uh, so yeah, I think you have to go to number one seeds. Did you guys notice Mertens, third seed? Yeah. Uh, she used to play with Sabalenka. I wonder if Sabalenka had those doubles matches, the way Daniel Collins and Krajikova. Maybe she could have ironed out her serve in those match conditions. But I, I give Danielle Collins a lot of credit for playing a singles match, a hard one, winning and getting back out there. And then Krajikova, you said this, 5-4, she goes up to the line, serves it out, and then she gets to go back and play quarterfinal singles. <laughs> I mean, the biggest difference I see in those two draws, on the men's side, obviously, the special case, they normally don't play together, but two singles players and doubles. On the women's side, you had Mertens, you had Krejcikova, you had, you know, Danielle Collins playing before that. Uh, a, a lot of Shelby Rogers, Petra Martich yeah, teaming up together. Like in our era, my, everyone played. Mm-hmm. Like, it's only become recent where even in women's, I mean, it's a two out of three set singles match every other day. Right. Probably play doubles, but it's such a big focus on the singles. I always felt the doubles helped. I mean, Martina would play all three, so yeah. I don't know what I'm saying there. <laughs> we're sitting there. I just want to match play, but I think for the guys, it's really impossible. Yeah. The, the, the game is more physical than it used to be. Also, uh, throughout the year, you play on harder surfaces. It's just the, the game is more physical, so it's really hard. And, and the three out of five in the majors to play. If they play two out of three, they, I think more yeah. men would play yeah, doubles. For I would sure. Hope. For sure. Yeah. Uh, and they do play on the regular tour. They play sometimes a lot more now than, than they did before. But the women, yeah, they go for it. It makes <laughs> you a better tennis player. Playing doubles makes you a better singles player. Playing singles makes you a better doubles player. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Like Guess what? More TC Live still to come. Hey, what's the answer, Lindsay? Maddie she texted you back. Slam. She said Grand Slam. Grand Slam. I'm Madison, rather a Grand Slam than a gold medal. Gold. Very cool. Welcome back to TC Live. We've got you covered. Two hours. Every day, 5 p.m. Eastern, getting you ready for first ball. Brett and Paul have the encore coverage at 7 a.m. Eastern tomorrow with all the highlights from today right here on Tennis Channel. It is time for our DraftKings Sportsbook Tennis Channel match preview, and we've got Krejcikova Keys. The check is favored, Martina. What do you think? I, I agree with that. Uh, not not a huge favorite. On, on paper, maybe a huge favorite, but not in real life. I think Rachel Kova in three. She should win this match. She's the more steady player. But, again, Madison, most of the time when she plays the match, the match is on her racket. It's up to her whether she wins or loses. Also favored to go straight sets. Bit of a surprise uh, there. Yeah, I would. Over would, under two and a half sets, it was yeah. uh, the under. You know, sometimes we look for little tells, whether it's head-to-head. You know, Cornet Hollop was a little wink-wink. The head-to-head favored Cornet. Sometimes we look, you know, time spent on court. I don't see a lot of giveaways. Not, not any head-to-heads we can go by on this. Not a lot of sort of obvious tells. Some of this might just be who shows up better. Check the weather on your app. But uh, I think that sounds a about right. I just think it'll go three sets no matter what. Yeah, I, I think like Martina said, I mean, you can almost be assured that Krejcikova is going to show up. She's going to be steady. She's going to do what she does, which is so good. She makes a lot of shots in the court. She uses her variety, waits for the right opportunity. 
um, the question mark is always Maddie. What is her level? Hmm. On a scale of 1 to 10, if she's a 7.5 or above, she's probably going to win. If she's not, against somebody as steady as Krejcikova, probably won't be good enough unless Maddie plays really good tennis. Yeah, I, I usually go for the person that at their best is better than the other one, and that, that would be Madison Keys at her best is better than Krejcikova, but she hasn't brought that best very often. She finally seems to be doing it here, but still, is she steady enough yeah. with that best tennis? I feel like because she's been to the semifinals here, Krejcikova had never been past the second round here until this year. I don't know. I'm going, I'm going favoring keys in this one. Let's look at the parlay, how we did from yesterday. Uh, th this was never going to happen. We, we didn't think it was going to happen. Sabalenka actually lost. Uh, Medvedev dropped a set. Sinner uh, was the only one to win it straight. We, so. we graciously declined. We, yep. uh, we, don't, we, we considered the offer and, uh, we gracious? <laughs> and walked away. Uh, yeah, that's, that was going to be hard. I mean... Again, we, we love the parlay, but uh, you, you got to come at us with some different odds. Uh, <laughs> All right, well, that, let's that see hard. what, what DraftKings Sportsbook what has us today. Once again, need to win in straight sets. Berrettini's <laughs> got to be more feast in straight <laughs> sets. Martina's laughing already. Even worse. <laughs> $100 to get 450 Stop it. Uh, yeah. It must Please be a tight deal. 4500 right? Right. That, that I would take if yeah. it was 4500 because so, I no way. So the last time Berrettini and Monfils played best of five was 7-6 was in the fifth. Come on. I mean, what? I don't understand. Yeah. All right. That algorithm is not. All right. So over under four sets for Berrettini Monfils. Yeah, I think I think I think if we pick winners and didn't have to go straight sets, I'd take that. Yeah. But uh, yeah. The, the notion that Monfils isn't going to get one set from Berrettini is a little tough. But also in this stage of the tournament, right? In theory, a lot of these should be super competitive. Sure. Right. Right. Exactly. And then, so if that's the case, those odds should be a lot much, much higher. Right? Because we had one earlier in the week. Uh, it was like 1,100. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And uh, it could, didn't happen. Right. Not one of those parlays <laughs> happened, but this one has no chance. Do like we, at a zero, maybe. <laughs> do, we, do we see any upsets, though? The, Nadal? To be Dennis and, and Nash Barty, do we, do we see any upsets? I like the page the way it was written, just not straight. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Probably. Maybe we can negotiate that, uh, that number. Okay. That's your upset pick. That's my upset pick. All right. But she Sticking wasn't on that parlay. No, she, I mean, <laughs> that would ruin I mean, the parlay. One thing's better than it could be a possibility. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It's come through really well. Uh, reminder, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. New customers can bet a dollar and win $100 if any point is won. Not in a sportsbook state? We'll download any of the apps and play for thousands every day in DraftKings free-to-play pools. Use the code ACE when you sign up, even for all of our New York residents where DraftKings Sportsbooks are now available. Uh, it looks nice. It was so hot yesterday. It's actually going to be even hotter tomorrow in Melbourne. They're getting into the 90s as we get into the semifinals. Back with more after this. Back on TC Live, it is time for our Geico 15-second news update. Maxime Cressy. Out to Daniil Medvedev in the round of 16. A tough loss for Simona Halep. And how about this? The Great North. Two Canadian men in a major quarterfinal for the very first time. Felix and Dennis. Well, the youngest guy in the top 10 is sponsored by a product that must age to earn its authenticity. Yannick Sinner and Parmesan cheese. The cheese is hard and sharp. We put Sinner on a set that's warm and fuzzy. Tell me about how you raised money, 
having fans make pizzas that looked like you. <laughs> what was all this about? <laughs> well, in the beginning of the coronavirus, uh, there was especially one place in Italy, Bergamo, was very, very in a in a very very tough situation. Uh, at that time, many many people were dying, and uh, so me and my team we were trying to help them, uh, but also trying to find a little bit the funny side of it. Um, so, you know, we decided to make uh, pizza faces. And that we had actually a lot of, a lot of uh, pizzas coming in. In the end of the day, we had a lot of money to help the hospital there. And I yeah. think that was a very, very nice. Ah, uh, he's the best. We've got so many of these warm and fuzzy interviews with all of your favorite players. Head to Tennis Channel's website and the Tennis Channel app to check them out. When we come back, top storylines, day nine in Melbourne. Martina, Lindsay, John, Steve back on TC Live presented by Geico. Taking a look at our daily schedule. We are with you every day, 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern. Irvin volley his way to an upset. Find out next. Martina, Lindsay, John, Steve back on TC Live presented by Geico. Taking a look at our daily schedule. We are with you every day, 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern, getting you ready for first ball on ESPN2 and ESPN+. Plus. Brett Haber, Paul Anacone have you covered the Encore presentation, 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on Tennis Channel. We talked about it a little bit in the first segment. Danielle Collins has played a dozen events in Australia. She's made the quarterfinals in more than half of them, Martina. And the American has a battle back from a set down against Elisa Mertens. Well, Danielle Collins made too many unforced serves in that first set. She was rightly upset. She was really giving it that, that set to uh, Mertens, and she took advantage. But Collins got back on top in the second. Really started imposing herself. Mostly cleaned up her game. The unforced errors uh, went away, and uh, she really dominated, particularly on her backhand. She had 21 winners for the match and moved Elisa Mertens side to side, where she doesn't even bother running for that, as, uh, as Collins really overpowered her. And uh, in the third set, kind of same situation, Mertens was up 2-1, but, uh, but Collins just, uh, and actually got a break, but Collins breaks right back. And kept coming at her. The deep, the depth of her shots was really good. Uh, wrong footing. And she's fired up. And another match that ends on a match point. And Daniel Collins was subdued on that, but uh, was the better player overall. It was hot out there, and Collins able to battle through. Yeah, super excited. Um, you know, the last couple years after I made semis, I, I think I lost, like, second round um, each year. So to be back in the quarters is, means a lot. Um, it's taken a lot to get to the quarters, some really tough battles and tough opponents. So, um, yeah, lucky to be through. 
said she tries to ride it out as much as possible. Loves watching surfing. Uses that as an analogy in her head. She was our Tennis.com Player of the Day. What did you make of that fight and that, that hustle, that effort out there for Collins? Well, you see some players in the biggest moments of matches all of a sudden get scared or take a step back and just try and make balls. That is not Danielle Collins. And just love the way she was going after her shots on the big points against Mertens. Mertens was the one who backed up and was trying to play it safe. And Collins was taking the risk and got through. But just her overall attitude, I mean, she is a fighter. She has been through an awful lot the last few years with a bunch of injuries, a couple surgeries. It's great to see her back playing. I think she's great for women's tennis. Lots of commands, lots of fists in the face. But you know what? She wants to win that match more than anything else. And everybody who's watching knows that. That's the kind of attitude she gives off. And I think it's great. Well, I, I feel like we talk sometimes about the differential between first and second serves. Uh, did you notice that interview? She is so fired up on the court. And then the <laughs> most, like, zen interview. I, I just think it must be really hard to prepare to play against her. I mean, you just know that when that match gets set, when it's 4 all in the third set, she, she is coming. And you can prepare for a player's slice or their serve out wide. I just don't know how. I mean, it must be very imposing to know that the player on the other side of the net is going to give you no quarter when that match toughens. Well, she comes at you emotionally with her come-ons, but the problem is not that. The problem is she hits the heck out of the ball. She pushes you back with her shots, and that's where players cannot play. It's like they need to stand up to her, and Mertens couldn't do it. And Collins, I love her attitude. Got to love it. Mm -hmm. She had to conserve some energy because she actually played doubles right. later yeah. in the day. We will have that highlight for you coming up on TC Live. Meantime, former finalist Simona Halep taking on Alize Cornet. The Frenchwoman had won three of their previous four matches, Lindsay, and you could tell this was going to be a battle. Um, tremendous battle under the hottest part of the day. And these two were leaving it all out on court. It was Alize Cornet who was able to come up with the first set. Halep really affected by the heat, much more so than I've ever seen. Always kind of bent over after a long point. Didn't look very comfortable out there. And this is right when you thought it was Cornet's match to win. She had a couple of points to get up 4-1. Halep gets out of this game, Steve, and then gets on a roll. Wins the last 16 points mm. of the second set. Cornet totally goes away. But a 10-minute heat break in between sets really helped calm Cornet down, kind of refresh her as well. And all of a sudden, in the third set, was able to start dictating play again, moving her shots around, was trying to hang in there. But these two, it was a battle. And surprisingly, it was Cornet who was able to hang tough in the tough moments. And unlike the second, in the third, it was Halep who went away. Mm. And you can see what it means to her. Said, I was so tired, I couldn't think anymore. Which was a good thing, because in the end, I just had to keep playing and made my first quarterfinal. So take a look at this for Alize Cornet. 13 years ago, she was one point away from the quarterfinals in Melbourne. Lost that match. And after 63 majors, finally broke through. The previous record on the women's side was 45 majors before making a first quarterfinal. Perseverance personified. What does it mean to her? It feels amazing, and I mean, the battle that we had with Simona today with this heat, and after 30 minutes of game, we were both dying on the court, and, and we kept going for two and a half hours with all our heart. And I mean, congrats to Simona, because I know she struggled a lot, and uh, I admire this player so much. She's such a fighter, and she's an example for me, and to beat her today, to go to my first quarterfinal is just a dream come true, so I don't know what to say. It's just magic. So thank Martina. I mean, she talked about retirement, may still retire at the end of this year. 63 majors. She hasn't missed a major since the 2006 U.S. Open. 
and now finally <laughs> breaks through. Talk about persistence. I think that should, her picture should be next to it on the dictionary. But the heat, I think, actually ended up helping her in the long run because, as she said, she was too tired to think. And when it's that hot, all you can think about is staying cool. So any strategy goes away. And I think you kind of go back to what's safe for you. And, and, and Cornet generally is more aggressive in her play than Halep. And Halep was too tired to keep with that aggression that she showed in the second set. And the heat really wore her down. But Cornet, I mean, hats off. She was too, too tired to think, but I would encourage people to go, go find the rest of that interview with Yelena Dokic uh, at the very end. And she had some very nice words to say for the, the interviewer, which I thought showed some real presence. Also, we're talking about big picture with her, but also this tournament, I mean, a week ago we sat here and we said, boy, she, she plays Muguruza, who's playing great. That's going to be a tough match for Cornet. Her next match, she was down a set and a break. So this, this kind of came out of nowhere. And, uh, you know, a week ago we didn't think she'd win her second round match, and now here she is uh, with her best slam showing ever. It's really a, a nice story, very sudden. Oh, you talk about players and do they remember certain things, do they not? Well, you referenced that interview. In that interview with Yelena Dokic, she said, well, I almost played you here in 2009. I had a couple of match points in the round of 16 against Safina. I didn't win them. I would have played you. I always wanted to play you. I mean, she knew exactly what had happened in 2009. So you know that was going through her head during the match as she's trying to close it out. So a lot of props to her. Clearly, this has been a huge goal of hers, whether she has audibilized it or not. So right. always like to tip my cap to players who really achieve their goal. And you could see what it meant to her yesterday. It means a lot on a tennis court, but it's just pure inspiration in in life to just keep yeah. going you can accomplish something after a really long time props to alize cornet uh, some guys looking to make their first quarterfinals in australia as well yannick sinner taking on the last hope to end australia's drought on the men's side alex Dimonor, martina alex Dimonor had four break points in the first set there were no breaks of serve and that was his chance he needed to win that first set after sinner gets this set under his belt, winning the tie break, uh, he settled down, started playing a little bit more aggressively, and uh, at the end ended up with 35 winners, 30 on fourth, just moved Dimina around the court pretty well, and here you see that outside foot going on Djokovic on that pass, and uh, he's, got a, he's got, just got a really solid game, nice touch for a big guy, moves really well. Sir was kicking in nicely, and Diminar just uh, couldn't find any openings against uh, against Sinner, who has played better and better with each match, kind of sneaking under the radar into the quarters. And he's fresh, he's playing well, and he must have his confidence up at this point as well. He's beating Diminar in Australia, which is never easy. Play, undefeated in the new year as well. Hasn't lost a match this entire year. And how about this? Just two Italians in the quarterfinals of the slam for the second time in the open era. So Berrettini and Sinner are in there, and Yannick Sinner, 11 seed under the radar. Watch out for him. Playing the winner of this match, American Taylor Fritz in the round of 16 at a major for the very first time, taking on the two-time Aussie semifinalist, Stefano Tsitsipas. They split the first two sets, John. Yeah, I think a lot of us thought Fritz had a real chance to win this, and we, we weren't wrong. I mean, this, this was really high-level back-and-forth tennis. You look at the, the score line here. This is Fritz, who's going to take a two-sets to one lead. Remember last year, Fritz goes to a fifth set with Novak Djokovic in the third round. A big chance of an upset. Opportunity slipped away, but I think he could take, take a moral victory out of that. Here he comes with another 
Matrick has a high seed. This one would go five sets. It really just a couple of points here and there is such a tennis cliche, but that's essentially what it was. Tsitsipas had five great points in this match. He converted three of them. And uh, that was that was a large target. Julius here showing off some network. That's the shot here. And Foots right into this match. Sitsipas served well. 19 aces. Throws it off here. That's a match point. Now Stefano Sitsipas and I'm overwhelmed. The stadium is on fire. It is too good to be true. Comes back from down two sets to one. How did he pull through? It was a great comeback. It was a match with a lot of emotion, and I was able to sustain that emotion, and I was able to deal with it in the best way. I think the crowd was very important today, encouraging me and giving me their energy from start to finish. Sunny as well. I mean, you can see that the, the headband tan there for, for Stefano Sitsipas. What was the difference in this five-set match to you? Well, it's remarkable. We, none of us really knew what to expect from Sitsipas with the elbow, and we really thought Fritz, with his powerful shots on this quick court, was going to be too much for Sitsipas. I'm amazed he was able to get better in the fourth and fifth sets. The big points, it was Sitsipas who was able to step up and really raise the level of his game. But when you're coming off a surgery, any type of procedure, especially on your arm, you're always a little bit tentative. I was amazed that Tsitsipas was able to hit harder as this match went on and not get fatigued. Great adjustment from Tsitsipas. Again, using the, 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 the only half, the gut half nylon to protect the elbow. And, and the fact that he came back from two sets to one, he actually said the crowd helped him out. But I have to give kudos to, to Taylor. Mm -hmm. he's, he's gotten to another level here, I, I feel, with this game and with the results. So I think he should really have, hold his head high. Finally got into that second week, but I expect he will do better yet because he's got big weapons and he now knows that he belongs on that court with the, with the big guys. So came up short, but stepped forward. He, he looked absolutely demoralized leaving the court. Un understandable, this was a winnable match, a couple of points here and there. But I think when he goes big picture on this swing to Australia, he got to this level of a tournament for the first time. He won a match against a veteran against RBA. He played well when he had to. And I also feel like he's really created some separation between the other Americans. Disappointing loss yesterday, but I, I think this was a good trip down for him. He'll be in the top 20 for the first time in his life, so that's a big thing for Taylor Fritz. So we've got Yannick Sinner, Stefano Tsitsipas, 2-1 head-to-head for Stefanos, but all three on clay. How do you see this playing out on a hard court? Oh, that's a tough one. At first, you've got to see how Tsitsipas recovers. Let's just say he's fine. Tsitsipas's game, he, he's got more variety, mm -hmm. right? He is one of these few of that next generation that can actually come to net with some ease comfortable coming to net moving forward and ending points that way Sinner not so comfortable in that area I, I give the edge to to Sitsipas there but uh Sinner he's coming also uh might not be this year I mean he's going to get into the top 10 and stay there winning a major I think physically he might just need a little bit more time hmm. you think Ooh. he needs to bulk up a little bit he's too, too skinny yeah. <laughs> I don't know I don't know maybe yeah. I mean maybe he can last for seven matches, yeah. three out of five sets. He just doesn't look maybe as strong as some of the others. He's had an easier way to get here. So it'll be, I think it's more on Tsitsipas how he feels physically because he's had a couple of tough matches now. But, uh, yeah, I agree with you. You have to, I mean, Tsitsipas is a more complete player. 
to this point, but Sinner's improving yeah. all the time. Like it's sort of been before our eyes, but we're not really looking with Sinner. I mean, you think think about the age on this kid, and he yeah. just keeps he gets better and better. There is no drama to his matches. He doesn't emote much. There is not controversy. He's had a pretty nice draw, in fairness, but he's looked terrific and just so crisp. I mean, there's there's just there's no blips, there's no chaos, there's no staring at the box. It's just all business, and uh, I think he's got a real shot. He's only lost one set the entire tournament. He hasn't lost a match all year. I don't know. My gut's telling me okay. Sinner wins this one at the Australian. I, I see Sinner okay. in, in the semifinals. We'll see what happens. Uh, meantime, we've got one American out, one more American trying to get into the quarterfinals. Maxime Cressy had Daniil Medvedev talking to himself in frustration. Could he serve and volley his way to an upset? Find out next. On TC Live, more fourth round action. Felix Sviantek, the youngest remaining player in the women's draw. They have never met before. More TC Live coming at you in a moment. Back on TC Live, more fourth-round action. Felix Soze Aliassime looking to make his third straight major quarterfinal would have to come back against a resurgent Marin Cilic, John. Yeah, he was 0-3 against Cilic, and it looked like that was continuing after the first set. 6-2, barely half an hour, and then Felix woke up and was terrific for the next three sets, dictating play. He was the fresher athlete. That's what happened when you're a decade younger than your opponent on a hot day sometimes. Credit Chilich, but this is a very critical time in the match. This was a set point Chilich had in the second set, and Felix held it off, won the set, and then it was all Felix from that point on. An early break in the third. He served well. He had 24 aces, 61 winners, and sort of bullied Chilich around the court. And, you know, Felix is one of these guys where he's lost a set this year, six love. He's also beaten Zverev. He's had some really rough patches here at this tournament. He's also looked... Terrific. And yesterday, after a 6-2 first set, he looked really strong for the next three and gets to the quarters. The youngest player to get three major quarterfinals since Juan Martin Del Potro. Canada with two guys in the same tournament in the quarterfinals for the first time. Uh, then we had the ultimate tennis experiment, Lindsay. Ultra-deep returner, Daniil Medvedev, against serving volleyer Maxime Cressy. Fascinating. Yeah, and on a quick court, Cressy held his own. Actually had a set point in that second set. Wasn't able to get it, but Steve, he rebounded beautifully in the third set, pushing this match to four, four sets. This is right when Medvedev really started to lose his cool. Had so many break opportunities, and Cressy just held strong. Had Medvedev shouting at Cressy, shouting at the umpires, telling everyone it's so boring. But credit Cressy, who got broken in the seventh game of the first set, and then not again until the 11th game of the fourth set. And that's right when Medvedev able to take control. Medvedev cruised through his service games, only faced one break point, wasn't broken, but still Cressy, fantastic effort. Yeah, good stuff for Maxime Cressy, but it is the two seed advancing.
Well, it was a difficult match. Like to get too used to his style. I mean, I knew that he's going to serve in volley, so um, it's not really. And I feel like I didn't really get used to because first set was better than the the other three. But uh, yeah, he definitely played a good match and could go either way. Uh, I mean, two tie breaks, last set. Uh, yeah, was really close and tough match. Now let's take a look at the draw. You see the matches today, and then we got Sinner, Sitsipas, Oje, Aliasim, Medvedev there at the bottom. Uh, we got to get a, a thought on Cressy from, from the servant volleyer, Martina. Came to net 135 times. Only? W won more than 65% of those points. Yeah. I mean, he played really, really well, and Medvedev was just too good. It's funny when Medvedev said, this is boring. This is what we want is a contrast. Exactly. What's boring is everybody doing the same thing. Yes. So I think the crowd enjoyed it, and, and he showed that it can be done. We don't have enough fast surfaces uh, to really for this to, to, to be successful, but you have to do it that much better because the ground strokes. But Medvedev handled it. So uh, it, was, it was fun to watch. Medvedev could have won a little bit easier the last two sets. They had a lot of break points, but uh, Cressy made it fun. I, I love watching him. Played four matches, 434 net approaches. Probably more than the whole that field together. Exactly. <laughs> put, put that into our veins. We love that. Um, I, th I mean, we, we talked about his self-belief two days ago. I don't know. Can you be a number one player in the world serving volleying? Perhaps not. But I think there's some real game here. I'm also impressed with his stamina. I mean, he, he played eight matches the first two weeks of the year. And then plays on a hot day, yep. four-setter against Medvedev. He didn't look necessarily winded. I think there's a lot of reason for optimism here. Yeah, he got broken twice in the first set, not again till the fourth set against one of the best returners. And Chris, he had 18 double faults. That's yeah. a lot. I mean, he was going for a lot on his second serve, and he was still hanging toe-to-toe -to -toe with the favorite to win the tournament. If, as Martina said, there's not a lot of tournaments with quick surfaces like Australia, but if he finds those, wherever those pockets are, and he's able to play that way a lot, when we saw him even in Indian Wells, one of the slowest hardcourts, still play well out there, he's going to be dangerous for all these guys to have to he's, face. He's got game. He can yeah. take the ball early, and he's, he's got good ground strokes. He's, he's more than a certain volleyer. This is a story I'm excited to watch exactly. for the rest of the yeah. season. The rise of Maxime Cressy. Let's go back to the women. Iga Sviantek hadn't dropped a set all tournament. Serana Kirstea hadn't made a major quarterfinal in 13 years. Only one of those two things would change, Martina. Well, Serana Kirstea came out firing on all cylinders. She's a fighter. She knows how to play. She defends really well, but she also attacks. And, uh, and Sviantek just made oh, too many unforced errors. One of her weakness was really on the second serve point percentage, 9 of 30. She needs to improve that, but she started moving the ball around the, the court a little bit better, uh, defended better, and got some freebies as well. Uh, at the end, she needs to clean up her game a little bit. Again, too many unforced errors, but played the big points well when she had to, moving Kirstera around the court, wrong footing her there, now going down the line with the back end. And uh, this meant a lot to her. She was fired up after this, uh, as Lindsay was talking about her emotions. Nice way to win it. Never been here before in the quarters of the Australian Open. And uh, she was She wrote on the camera after, that was stressful. Into the quarterfinals. Uh, speaking of stressful, the Arena Sabalenka serve, <laughs> playing the always dangerous Kaya Kanepilin. Uh, Sabalenka did a great job in that first set. It was, Steve, about the tennis. Kanepi had a break point, and that was it. Sabalenka able to get that first set under her belt. In the second set, though, Kanepi got off to a great start, got off to a four-love lead, started feeling more comfortable on this stage. 
the ground strokes. This story was about huge ground strokes from both of these two women. And Kanepi sends us to a third. And what a battle this was in the third. Yet Kanepi able to get out to an early lead. She was up 4-2 in this third set. And these girls absolutely crushing the ground strokes. It's fun to watch from these two. And Steve, the serve was only an issue in one game in this whole match. One of the games, Sabalenka had three double faults. Goes to a third set breaker. Kanepi served for this match at 5-4. 40 love had four match points. We go to the tie break. Sabalenka fights back from 5-2 down, if you can believe it. Almost hits Kanepi here. Ooh. And then Kanepi thought she won the tie break at one point. Ends up getting it done in the end, though. Dramatic scenes out in this match. Thought it 9-7 she had won, and it was a normal 7-point tiebreak. It's a 10-point tiebreak in the deciding set at the Australian Open. That's where you see a little bit of a subdued reaction. Because the big one yeah. came at 9-7 for Kaya Kanepi. So this is her 7th Grand Slam quarterfinal, but first in Australia. What does that mean? At 36 years old, she's reached the final eight at all the majors. And by far the biggest payday of her career. <laughs> and, you know, done it when we, we thought she probably retired because she hadn't played that well the last couple of years. 36 years old, and here she is in her quarterfinal. She's got a chance to go further. Great, great. I tell you, it's bad enough. It's really bad when you won the match, but you don't know it. You're still, like, ready to, you know, play the next point. It's much worse when you pretend you think you won it when you celebrate and you didn't, but she handled it well. That that does go to your point. We'll concede. Uh, that goes to your point about ending these matches in a, in a uniform way because exactly. she thought it was a conventional tiebreak. Hey, I won by two, 9-7, ball game. Oh, I got to go back and credit her for uh, for closing out that match. Credit to, I mean, look, we can talk plenty about Kanepi. It's, it's a, really a, a fun story and these uh, this differential between her major results and her run-of-the-mill results, but Sabalenka, to go through that publicly mm. and to deal with this, we'll have to see what she does now between now and her next tournament to, to clean this up and get rid of these yips. But to play that out and to still lose 7-6 in the third mm. at this stage in the tournament, I think, says a lot about her ability to, uh, to reset. Yeah, she did a phenomenal job fighting through. You know, when you get to a major, you just want to focus on yourself and the tennis and try and block out all the other distractions. That was impossible for Sabalenka with how she was serving and all the double faults. The good news from her didn't really cost her the match against Kanepi. She was down 4-2 in the third, got back to 4-all. That was the game she had three double faults. Kanepi then served for the match, but Sabalenka got it back to 5-all. So I, I don't think she'll leave this Australian Open saying, my serve lost me the match. But if she's going to get a Grand Slam title, she's got to get it better. 56 double faults in four matches in Australia. That's 14 a match. Yeah. You're not going to win a major with 14 no. double faults a match. That said, we get Kaya Kanepi, the oldest remaining player in the women's draw, against Iga Sviantek, the youngest remaining player in the women's draw. They have never met before. More TC Live coming at you in a moment. Back on TC Live, Felix Soje Aliasim getting ready for the quarterfinals. Third straight major quarterfinal. In fact, two Canadians there. Takes on Daniil Medvedev. Only one four. Hey, it's the worth on. John was doing you, that in the yeah, green room. Yeah, I think, I think you do that so then you can go ride the bike. <laughs> you do that and then you go to the club. All right, Come on, shall we? Time for the social net. <laughs> How about this? Uh, Jesse Pagula obviously uh, had a lot at stake on the court. And on the field, uh, what a game. 
Bills, Chiefs. Yeah, the best game I've ever seen. Jesse tweeted, I don't really know what I just saw. Should have lost, should have won. Incredible football. Nothing left to say. Hashtag Bills Mafia. That was insane, that ended. One of the all-time great games, if not the... I mean, what, how many points last two, two games? Is, uh, two, 25 two minutes, points in the last two minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Is it, it's crazy. just crazy. Just knock me down if I'm talking crazy here. So John Isner's a super fan, and John Isner would say, look, my moods as an athlete, as a tennis player, the Australian Open will rise and fall based on the Panthers. Yeah. Jesse Bagul, listen, she's not just a fan. I mean, her yeah. family owns this team. Do we? Th- is it crazy to think there might be any sort of carryover to her match? Is that crazy oh, talk? Wow. I don't... Yeah, no. I, I, no. I think she's too far removed from it, in, in a way, I mean, literally, geographically, yeah. and it's just... I hope not. I mean, I, I remember John Isner literally saying when the Carolina Panthers played well, though. I take it. I mean, this was even more yeah. for Pagula. I mean, it's more, but like, owner. No, I know, but a fan and an owner. I, I think, I mean, definitely would affect, like, just her mood the last That's what I mean. yeah. 24 hours or what has been, 18 sure. hours. Yeah, right. yeah. It can also just, motivate you the other way. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I, hope, I, hope, I hope it doesn't affect her one Oh, man. You know you've made it <laughs> oh, when God. SNL parodies <laughs> you. I can think it was that funny. You thought it was I funny. Thought it was I thought it funny. You showed it to me and said this. you got to watch this. I didn't think it was that funny. The hair gets you a little bit. I, You know, I mean, the, the larger story is this is not playing so well in the mainstream. And in tennis, we all know the story and the characters. This is as mainstream as it gets. This is Pete Davidson of Saturday Night Live uh, spoofing Novak Djokovic in his Australia. And the, we, we all can have some yucks, but the larger story is that this, this ain't playing well in the mainstream. Did you watch it? Uh, I, I saw it when uh, John showed it. So you think it was funny? <laughs> uh, you know, it, there's nothing funny about it. Okay. Really, bottom line. Yeah. I laughed. <laughs> and then we found out Martina never hosted. Can we change that? Yeah, yeah let's get Martina on SNL. Yeah, Chris got it. Chris got it, and she did some some things about about our rivalry. It was so funny. I'm like, great, I'm gonna get her back. You know, yeah, rivalry, who, right? Who played you? Never yeah, who played, who Nora played? Dunn played me. <laughs> and my all right, on Twitter. all right. We like communicate on Twitter. Which is funny. I never met her, <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, I never got the chance. So I think that ship has sailed. Yeah. Got you, Andy Roddick, did it. Well, well, yeah, all right. Rafa could do it. Roger could do it. Novak could do it. No, Novak should do it and then spoof Pete Davidson. He should put up a photo with like a fake Kim Kardashian. Back on TC Live presented by Geico. Final segment. That means John Wertheim stat of the day. All right, this is Sabalek. We keep talking about what a strange event this was for her. So she didn't win the tournament, didn't back up her number two seeding. She had her gifts, but in a weird way, she emerges perhaps in a better place. She entered the Australian Open 2-13 when she lost the first set in majors here. 3-0. and So a lot went wrong. We all talk about the double faults. And yet, in a strange way, it kind of was a revelation of a major for her. And I think the real question is, is this something she's going to correct and build on? Hey, look, I got to the second week of a major when I couldn't serve. Mm. I had some comeback wins. I relied on my ground strokes. Or is this really sort of an, an existential issue? But I, I think in a weird way, this was kind of a triumphant event for her. I don't want triumphant, but maybe uh, learned ab- uh, about herself and, and learned about tennis, how to, how to construct points and not just depend on the big guns. Uh, but uh, maybe she needs to lose the first set so she would have won the match. Ah, I think it's iffy. We'll see. It can be a turning point for the better if she fixes the problem. But if the problem stays, 
it's, it's I, I think she's crushed. I think you're two in the world. Yeah. You're looking to win a major. All of this going on, I think she leaves like, oh my goodness. But fights. I mean, that was an incredible fight she showed. Mm -hmm. But I think she's heartbroken. I, like that, I just like that you're going glass half full. You're staying positive. Staying yeah? positive. A lot, a lot of bad stuff happened. This is what was good. It's, it's the hot shot of the day. How about Joe Salisbury? Pride of Memphis. This is unbelievable. You see on the replay here, he lands right next to the kid's feet. This could have been a sprained ankle. Oh, my God. He got really high. Look at that. And instead, he's right inside the basement. That's crazy. He hit it over a mullet. <laughs> into the Sweetie made her show again. How did he do that? It wasn't Dang that great a shot. Sweetie. We just wanted to show the mullet. <laughs> Quarterfinals on day nine. Keys, Krejcikova, Shapovalov, Nadal, Barty, Pagula, Mofis, Berrettini. Let's break down. The match is starting with Nadal, Shapovalov, the all-lefty battle. Well, the last lefty to beat Rafa Nadal was none other than the Canadian, Denis Shapovalov. That happened in 2017. Denis was a teenager. That was 21 lefty matches ago for Rafa Nadal. Tennis Express head-to-head 3-1 to, -head, to Nadal. Well, one of those was 48 hours ago. And uh, I, I just think best of five plays a big part in this. I mean, D Dennis can get, for an hour, he can look as good as anyone. He's really served well this tournament, Dennis had. I just think over a best of five match, Mm. You got to think Nadal pulls through. Physically, it's so demanding and mentally to stay sharp and have to take the extra step and deal with that extra topspin coming at you. But the way Shapovalov played the last match, mm -hmm. if he can build on that and get up a set, maybe two, then he's got a good shot at it. But the longer the match, the better chances for Nadal. Yeah, first Actually. set, so important for Dennis to try and get yeah. that under his belt. But Rafa has a couple things going for him. One, thought he was going to be playing Zverev. I think if you would ask him, who would you rather play, Zverev or Shapo, I think he'd go Zverev. Two, he got this match in the heat of the day. Ball's going to be lively and bouncing. This is not a night match. He got a day match for this. I think that's another advantage to Rafa in this situation. Um, Shapo has to play at such a high level for such a long period of time. We were talking about it earlier in the show with Keys. Shapo's the same way. He's got to be able to bring that as well for three out of five sets. Just historically, that hasn't been easy for him to do, so a tough ask against Rafa. Real quick, I think that's a great point because no Djokovic is obviously a player that Nadal doesn't have to face. It also means Nadal kind of the king of the court assignments. And yeah. uh, he gets he, he and Barty are two of them to get, get their first choice. Speaking of Barty, also nine, uh, excuse me, six sets away now from some history for her on the Australian side against Jesse Pagula. What, what are the keys for both players? Well, pressure, pressure on Barty, obviously. If she plays her best tennis, she wins this match. She moves the ball around too well for Pegula to really give her trouble. But if she's a little nervous, little off, and Jessica can play well, she's good at the net as well. She can put some pressure on her coming in. I mean, Jessica has a chance at it, but you've got to give the edge to Ash. What if they go to a third set tie break and Pegula doesn't serve and Barty just serves and they walk off? <laughs> Buffalo Bills joke. I mean, I think on paper, Barty wins. I think that the variety is just proven to be absolutely yeah. unbeatable. I just think this is the stage the last two years where she's played very similar opponents that she, you know, credible opponents, but opponents that on paper anyway, she should probably have beaten. And she just didn't get over the line. And I think that might be the X factor today. Yeah, when you play someone that's lost or served one time in a tournament, 
you know going in you have got to hold your serve. Pagula has got to really pitch the game of her life. She's got to mix up her location. She's got to defend her second serve. If she can hold serve, maybe she'll get a chance to break. She's a great returner. It's not going to be every return game that she's going to have that opportunity. Barty serves so well, uses her serve plus forehand. So Pagula's got to serve a great, great match mm -hmm. out here. Mm -hmm. She's also got to be able to handle the slice. I don't think the slice will give her too many mm -hmm. problems. So it really becomes more about managing her service games, keeping those unforced errors low. Slice makes it more, more, more uh, physical for Pagula because you got to go yeah. inside the court and then back behind the baseline or go forward. So there's a lot more up and back. So it's a little more demanding that way as well. Can't wait to talk about it tomorrow. By the way, Lulu was here again. Yeah. Lulu's here. Forgot to give her the love. Lulu in the house. Jenny Brady, last year's finalist at the Australian right. Open, going to be joining us tomorrow right. on TC Live. And ask her, would, would you prefer Jenny or Jennifer? <laughs> That's how we're starting the show. And I hope she says Jenny, because then I'll say, hello, Jennifer. Uh, TC Live back at 5 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. Encore coverage, 7 a.m. Eastern. We'll see you then.